Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. I'm Andy Davis, and in this podcast, I will interview the people working in the data center sector and tell their stories. If you are working in the DC sector or you are looking to work in the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. Today, I'm joined by Chris Street, who's the Executive Vice President of Market Development at Princeton Digital, um, based out in Singapore. Good, I think it's good afternoon for you, Chris. Good morning for me. Good afternoon. Yeah, good. Good morning, Andy. No problem. Thanks for coming on today. I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more about your organisation and also discuss the APAC region as a whole, because obviously there's a, as you will know better than most, there's a lot going on out there at the moment, and it's pretty hard for for us to keep up, I think, as <laughs> where we're at the moment. So do you want to just give everyone a quick introduction of who you are and maybe a little bit about Princeton Digital Group as well? Sure. So uh, again, it's uh, Chris Street, I'm EVP of Market Development here at Princeton Digital Group. We are a uh, co-location uh, service provider uh, based here in Singapore and have operations across four countries in Asia Pacific. And we are focused uh, specifically on the hyperscale data center segment. Which is no doubt keeping you very busy at the moment. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> as we see kind of uh, across all the markets, it's, uh, it's fast, fast moving and a lot of growth. Yeah, definitely. What I always like to do first is just to find out a bit about yourself, really. Go back to your, you know, how you started in the industry and kind of how you progressed. I noticed you studied political science in Indiana, I think it was, <laughs> on your on your LinkedIn profile. But how did you move from that into the sort of telecommunications data, data center sector? Sure. So, yeah, after I got out of school in, uh, in Indiana, I, uh, I moved to the West Coast in, in uh, the U.S., to uh, San Diego and started uh, started working at a company through uh, some friends of mine that were backbone engineers at a little ISP called SurfNet. And they were the California Educational Research Foundation that grew out. They were one of the original six ISPs in the US that grew out of the NSFNet uh, Foundation and grants in the early 90s. So they Along with the other five ISPs, uh, SurfNet was one of the original six that helped commercialize the internet. And so there, we were really um, at the forefront of, of the internet. And this is like the mid-90s, uh, late 90s. And, uh, and it's really that web 1.0 phase. And they eventually got bought by uh, AT&T. And then that became kind of AT&T's core IP backbone team and also the data center arm. And so we launched all the data centers for AT&T back in, this would have been 98, 99 timeframe, early 2000. The early days of the industry. Yes, uh, quite, quite different back then. You know, we, uh, the, the, the scale of the data centers were much, much different than what they are today, right? Where, where you know, a large site was three to five megawatts, um, you know, and, and they were carrier carrier centric, right? It was actually a selling point to say that we had one carrier in there, AT&T, and uh, yeah, you can get shadow circuits and all that, but uh, you know, the, the, the aspect of kind of carrier neutrality really wasn't, wasn't front and center for most enterprises at that point. I always say when I talk to people like yourself that have been in the industry through that transformation that we've kind of gone a hundredfold, haven't we? It's two to three megawatts and we're now at two to 300 megawatts or above or gigawatts. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible in terms of the scope of change, right? Is that we had entire facilities that 
that in today's world, you know, you're, you're talking with clients that take down that capacity in a single transaction now, um, or, or it's a portion of that, that single transaction. And so in there, you know, it would have been the entire, you know, 10 year or life cycle of the, of the, of the data center. Right. And so the, the specs are quite different. The, 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 uh, the business planning behind the business, right. In terms of, you know, back in those days, you would build a facility and you would plan it out, say, a 10 to 15 year time frame, and it had a five year ramp. And, you know, maybe at year eight, you were fully utilized of five megawatts. And today, when you know, when you when you start that business, and you're looking at entering a market, you'll plan it out with full utilization at, at say, year three, and it's, it's, uh, you know, 25 megawatts and first year in is going to be a five year, you know, five megawatt type of type of uptake. And so it's the dynamics behind the business. It's much, much faster moving now it, uh, and, and, and much more dynamic than, than what it was back in the day. But I guess we all had to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. I think it really, it always paints a good picture of how quickly the industry's changed. That's why I always like to kind of talk about it, really. I also noticed you worked at, at Amazon, which again, in quite a transformative time for that company and also the industry. I just wondered what it was like working for them during that period. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, well, it was, it was, it was fantastic actually. I mean, Amazon was a, was a brilliant, brilliant time, um, you know, and, and, uh, and it was quite, like you said, it's, it's, it was a quite transformation, transformative type time period for them because, because this was, I joined Amazon in early 2010 uh, spent about five and a half years there. And so during that time frame, when I first joined, there was literally a handful of us that was going around the world negotiating for technical infrastructure. And that was, and that was really everything from data centers to network to, to the, the, the mechanical electrical gear that went into the facilities. Right. And, and so, you know, we were a very small team and, and we were going into markets that really, you know, they, they, they weren't, ready for for amazon scale and 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 it wasn't just amazon but it was you know we were at the forefront at that point right though they, they were going into we were going into more markets and at larger scale than than all the other hyperscalers combined at the time right google was still quite quite slow azure hadn't really been launched fully yet um alibaba and and you know and the other chinese kind of hyperscalers they weren't they weren't really even to market yet and um, and so it was quite it was quite interesting, right? We were flying around, um, you know, doing all these deals with telecom and, and upstart data centers and markets around the world. And it was, you know, we were we were kind of creating the hyperscale market as we went along, because we would come in with specs for facilities and expectations in terms of delivery times and technical and operational specifications. That most of these markets hadn't seen yet, and 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 it wasn't it wasn't just the emerging markets that we were going to at the time. It was it was the big capital cities, right? I'd go into London, I would go into go into Frankfurt, I'd go into Tokyo or Hong Kong or Singapore, and and nobody had seen what we'd asked for, right? And so it was it was quite a discussion and a and a collaboration really between us as a customer and the service providers to say, hey, we want X Y Z. And, uh, and, and, and to be able to take their existing stock of services and kind of transform those and align them with our expectations. So it was, it was quite fun though, you know, and it was a lot of, uh, 
I'll say late nights and early mornings of, uh, of, of working with colleagues around the world at Amazon. And, and, and it was a pretty tight group. Like I said, there was literally a handful of us. I think I was, I was number three on the data center team when I came in and, uh, you know, I, I, I would start my mornings and maybe doing something in Europe, uh, a deal, and then, uh, you know, do some work in North America markets. And, you know, it could be like buying fiber in, in Virginia and, and, and doing a colo deal in London. And then I'd wrap up my day talking to Sydney or Singapore, you know, for, for a real estate deal. And it was, it was pretty much just handling whatever they threw at us. And um, just to kind of keep up with the pace, and 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 uh, and so it was exciting, you know. And and it was, it's always fun in those sort of uh, times to be able to kind of make it up as you go along. You know, you have the objective of where you got to get to, but to but to really kind of take the team and take everybody and get them focused on a goal, and then and then kind of just build the bridge as you're driving across it, so to speak, right? So. Yeah, and I think that's the nature of the industry, isn't it? It evolves so quickly that you, you do have to work like that. I think, you know, the industry's evolved massively again over the last 18 months. And there's a lot of people doing exactly that now, isn't there? Kind of, we know where we want to go, but we're not really quite sure how, how we're going to get there. Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, you see it across across all the different, like, like especially in the emerging markets, right? And, and in Asia, we've got we've got a ton of those right now that's going through that kind of transformation where, where, you know, they looked at data center facilities that maybe were built, say, 10, 15 years ago and trying to transform those to meet, meet the expectations of today's market. Um, at the same time, then taking new projects and working with developers or local, local authorities to say, hey, we want to build this campus, you know, and we want to bring 100 megawatts to an industrial park. And they're like, you know, and they just haven't seen that before. and um, you know, and, and then you have the customers who are like, you know, can you deliver it in 14 months? And and so trying to balance that and, and balance it with the expectations of the existing markets, it's it's quite uh, it's 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 an interesting time for sure. Uh, definitely. And that brings us quite nicely onto obviously Princeton Digital and to talk a bit more about the organization and kind of what you're doing. You touched on it earlier, but you're actually quite, you know, you're quite a young company. You're already in you have 18 data centers in four countries, as, as you mentioned, but do you want to just give a kind of a brief of how you've been able to achieve such rapid growth across the region? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it, you know, we've been, we've been, uh, we were founded three years ago. Strategy that we use is, is, is something that we call a three, three prong strategy. And this, this three prong strategy has, has allowed us to execute quickly into into markets around Asia, and it, and it does separate us from from some of the other hyperscale data center operators that, that operate in, here in the Asia Pacific region. Um, so the first prong of that is the the greenfield development, and this is where you take you, you know you build a building from the from the dirt up, and so we build it on custom specs. We build it you know for single tenants. We will build uh, have the flexibility to build you know multi tenant. Uh, standard kind of co-location uh, facilities. And we've got that ability to do that all over and, and the capital and the wherewithal to do that and, and model the business that way is, is something that we do in all the markets in which we operate. In addition, we've been able to, to look at acquiring existing co-location companies. 
And so we did that in, in 2019 with the Singapore business. We bought an existing co-location facility, and then we worked on transforming that. And so the challenges there that present itself, it's, it's quite different. And it's, it's part of the reason why a lot of operators won't necessarily touch existing because they'll go into, you know, an older building and you have to deal with, with the limitations of the, of the building or, or, or you have to sink investment into, into that. We feel that that's actually an attractive scenario um, because it allows us to go to market. It gives us current customer sets that, you know, and, and an existing business to build upon. And here in Singapore, we were able to take that and, and very quickly turn a three megawatt uh, sized business into 12 megawatts within uh, 12 months and and sell it out. Right. And so so it allowed us to kind of move very quickly. Um, that the third prong there is is what we call a telco carve out or carve out, and that's really with working with a JV partner, kind of again looking at an existing business and carving that out from their main line of business. In this example, you know, in this aspect, we we did the uh, we did the carve out in Indonesia with with our partner XL Oxiata, and so they're a large mobile operator in Indonesia, one of the one of the top uh, two three operate mobile operators. And they had five data centers across uh, across Indonesia, um, and we were able to go in, e- extract that business out of theirs, take over kind of managerial ownership, and then and then invest money into uh, growing that business and transforming it into from a a carrier centric type of portfolio of centers to a hyperscale, and so bringing that up to you know investing to bring up the m e and to you know to bring it from say two to three kilowatts per rack to six to eight to ensure that you've got physical security make sure you got 24 7 operations and, and et cetera et cetera and so we've been able to do that and then at the same time you know in indonesia and jakarta we've actually started some greenfield builds in addition to the portfolio that we're transforming so so those three right that three-pronged approach allows us to kind of move quickly um, you know, and, and then it's, and then it's just, you know, in addition to, to that strategy, that execution strategy, really, it, it comes down to the, the team members that are able to execute, right. And, and having the experience of the depth of experience of being able to work in the industry, find deals and locations that are, ex, you know, that, that have a high degree of, of ability to execute and close on. But then also to transform the business, and so we've we've been uh, very fortunate to have a, a strong team across across the entire business, both at headquarters and at and at the regional level, um, to really help kind of kind of uh, take that forward in, in in a really short time frame, right? Like I said, we were founded three years ago, so it was it was uh, quite quite a aggressive aggressive growth growth plan. Yeah, I was quite surprised when I read that, that you were formed only three years ago. And I, I was going to say, it touched on what you just said, actually. You must have had a really dynamic, flexible team to be able to operate, like you've just said, in that three-pronged way, because I'm assuming that, you know, all of your team members kind of have to lend their skills and experience to each sector of that at, at any point. Yeah, it it, it does. And, and you need to... You know, the one thing that, that really comes up is, is when you're working across that, right, is that you need to have the, uh, the way that we work, it's kind of like a multi-dimensional approach, right, is that, is that at the group level, we've got a core team 
that is really focused on executing within their specific functional areas, right? And then, and then, and then at the regional side, we've got a leadership team and through there that, that then at the functional level, they have deep experience at, at, at executing at, at the regional kind of within those markets, you know, they're, they're longtime operators within those. And so they know how to navigate the local market. And then you combine that with, with the uh, kind of centralized support you get from, from the HQ and the group level. And it really, it, it's, it's a nice dynamic where we, we rely on each other a lot to kind of move quickly, you know, make, communicate clearly and, and, and just have the trust of each other that, Hey, you know, we've got the same objective. You don't always, you know, maybe go about getting to the decision the same way, but but we all know that we're all aligned on the objectives and then we can execute with the confidence to really kind of pull each other through. And so we've been able to do that and uh, and it's worked out. It's worked out great for the for, for the for the for the history of the company. Yeah, it's going well so far. And I wanted to touch on some of your recent news because obviously that's kind of, there's quite a lot of, about yourselves in the media at the moment. And you've recently made the decision to enter the Mumbai market. I just wanted to know kind of what, what, why now, you know, why did you make the decision now to enter that, that region? Sure. So, you know, India itself as, as a, as a larger market is, is one of the most dynamic, um, you know, data center markets in, in Asia. Um, And it's, it's completely underserved from an infrastructure perspective, right? When you look at the dynamics of kind of the macro environment of, of population and the dynamic kind of nature of sectors like financial services, media, um, and other kind of, you know, look like cloud first kind of service providers, right? Whether it's SaaS or whether it's, it's uh, e-com, right? And so, and so within the India kind of sphere, um, then you have kind of Mumbai, which is the standout kind of metro market, right? And so from that, it, it is the financial services capital of India. It is the media capital of India. It, it has a very dynamic kind of startup ecosystem there. And so going into that Mumbai market, even though there are, there are definitely, it, it's a competitive market in terms of other data center operators, both local Indian uh, based and headquarters plus plus more and more frequently the global guys are going in right um, is that the competition's there but there's definitely space for us to kind of go in and we've got a management team that is deep in experience in terms of the India market um, our leadership team and local market has been uh, you know is from Mumbai and has helped build uh, previous kind of data center companies that that were the number one operators in in India. Um, our COO and CEO both come from Tata Coms and, and you know built that, that data center business um, back in the day to, to the market leader that it was. So so you know we've got deep operations experience and and I just think overall right the market itself is is quite dynamic. It's got a lot of room for growth um, upside in terms of, of of where it sits today and the potential potential that it has moving forward. Um, and it's still, you know, Mumbai traditionally has always been and still is, it interconnects Asia and uh, EMEA, right? So, so Europe, Middle East, Africa, um, EMEA or Mumbai is where those, all those submarine cables land on their way to, to Southeast Asia, down to Singapore, and then up to Hong Kong and North Asia, up to Tokyo. 
And so it, it's it's a critical linchpin to the to the worldwide kind of you know the the internet ecosystem in and of its own. Um, and so with that, um, it's it's a it's a natural kind of starting point for us to go in um, and and really kind of plant our flag in in Mumbai. And so we yeah we've got a we've got a forty eight megawatt project. It's two buildings of twenty four megawatts each um, that we just kicked off. Um, in Navi, Mumbai, which is in the east part of the metro. Yeah, and I, I agree with what you said as well. You're seeing a lot of activity into India at the moment. You know, I don't. I think probably every week I'm having a conversation with a developer or a contractor or somebody about what's it. You know, how can we find talent in in India? And it's definitely a market that everybody seems to have their eyes on at the moment. Yeah, and it's and it's a challenging market, right? It it um it's it's very complex in terms of of development um and and execution, and and so there it carries a as a high degree of risk um, with that, and and so it does it does require that that operators going in right have appropriate partners and and um and the and the on the ground experience, right? I wouldn't. and and that's what we bring to the table right we've got people who've built and and operated data centers and and in market in the indian market in mumbai specifically for the past 15 20 years um and we built uh some of the biggest indian kind of data center businesses over the last 10 years um on on you know through the experience and on the resume of some of our leadership team so so we're we're i think we're well positioned there um you know and it's just it's just at this point, it, it's continued to focus on the objective and, and execute against the plan. So, yeah, I, again, I agree. I think you've touched on it a few times about the importance of local knowledge, which is so important, isn't it? When you're entering these new regions, that you understand that the culture, you understand how business is done, and you also understand what the people on the ground are looking for. I think a lot of companies don't go blind into markets. Obviously, they do their research, but they don't have that local knowledge at the time they start building or, or, or open the facility. Yeah, it, it's quite dynamic, right? To, you know, in some, in some markets, you might be able to get through like building approvals through like, say, you know, say anywhere from 30 to 40 steps, right? Um, India is quite different where it is significantly probably about double that in terms of, of different approvals and, you know, and sometimes it's it's a very manual process and 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 paperwork intensive, and um, other markets, right? It's all online still, or 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 you know, vast majority is online, along with on-site kind of inspections, et cetera. But but yeah, you gotta you gotta know that you gotta you gotta know how to navigate through those different agencies, right? And 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 in most in most markets, it's there's not a high degree, and especially you'll find this in 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 Asia throughout most of Asia. A lot of the the real estate and the developer market, right? So getting that kind of core building up, that that whole real estate market is quite opaque. And 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 to your point, right, is that is that bringing in people that have been through that process and have that skill set really helps kind of address that execution risk um, because it, it's real and it, it it's and it's hard to navigate. And and if you haven't been through it before, there's there's twists and turns at, at at every opportunity and um you know and, and so it's it's uh it's, it's it's quite challenging but you know we we find it exciting that's that's the thing and and when you you know we we work with a lot of you know some of the largest kind of um 
consumers of data center space, right? So the hyperscaler, the cloud service, the large, the large content guys. And, and, you know, when they're looking at, you know, they, they've got a lot of these, a lot of these organizations have the capability to build themselves, right? And they have, um, but where they find it valuable and useful is, is to work with a partner that has that in-depth local experience that maybe is complementary to theirs and they, where they may have gaps where it's hard for them to execute. And so we can come in as a partner with them and help help kind of get their facilities to market quicker with with a lot less risk to to them um, so that they can meet their timelines to you know deliver the the cloud services or the content you know et cetera so yeah it's definitely exciting times for for India no doubt about that and another region that you've just announced amazing news on and that is also equally as probably not as understood as well is, is China and and obviously entering into that market. Is that another strategic decision to enter it now? Yeah, well, so we've we've been in China for the past couple of years. We we launched our own kind of campus uh, fully. Well, we launched it with the launch of the business, um, uh, you know, three years ago, and then we we finished our first phase recently of our Shanghai campus. It's forty two megawatts just south. Of, so we've just started operations there. It's fully let it out. Um, you know, and, and, uh, and, and so we've got two other projects in, in, in Eastern, uh, China and, and Nanjing and Nantong that, that combined are about a hundred, just over a hundred megawatts in total across the two campuses, one's 65, the other's like 43. So the, um, and so, yeah, the, the, the scale of what's happening in China is, is quite dramatic. Right. And, and when you look at it, right, China itself is, is, uh, is the second largest economy in the world. The emphasis from an infrastructure perspective, right, has a lot less infrastructure um, and a much more opaque kind of technical infrastructure market than than what you see in, say, like, say, the United States or or Western Europe, right? And if you look at the existing market space, is that most of the operators there are domestic Chinese. And so Princeton, one thing that we bring to it that's different is that, yes, we, we, we operate in China and and we've got all the, the license and, and follow the regulatory kind of rules of the road that you need to. Um, but but we are, you know, Singapore based. Right. And so we can we can help kind of foreign companies that are looking to enter the market that uh, maybe is a little different than than uh, than, than some of the domestic service providers. Um, and we can also bring them out of China. So a lot of the Chinese domestic operators aren't you don't find them outside. And so that that pan regional you know, we, we can bring that flavor to the, to the customer and they really appreciate that. You know, we've, we've had that discussion with a lot of them and we, it's pretty dynamic discussion where, you know, okay, we can land you in Shanghai, we can take you to Mumbai, we can take you to Jakarta. Um, and so that, that, that's a really dynamic kind of way to do it. Um, you know, and in China, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's an interesting it's an interesting market because there's also a, an entire ecosystem of customers that you don't find outside of China. So, you know, they've got their own video streaming, they've got their own e-commerce, they've got their own, you know, search. And so that whole, that, that whole kind of dynamic system, you got to have somebody local to really be successful there. And so we're one of the, well, we're the only one that's in only foreign kind of operator that's at scale in, in, in China. And so the announcement that we made a couple of weeks ago was, was our roadmap of where we're going to invest another billion dollars into the China market. 
uh, specific to that. And so we'll have more details to come in terms of how we're executing that and the, the uh, how we're how we're putting that to use. But that that is what we're focused on now beyond the beyond the three projects, the three greenfield campus projects that we have in place today. Yeah, and like you said, there's different drivers, isn't there, in each in each region about you know why there's suddenly this significant increase in demand. One area that I'm always quite interested in is Indonesia, because I spoke to somebody once who said that Indonesia has, I think it's one of the highest uptakes of e-commerce, but they spend the lowest amount of of money per spend. So they're kind of they're buying everything basically or with, with their phone or, with, or whatever it is. So I know you're in that region, but how are you seeing Indonesia at the moment? Yeah, so Indonesia is like probably out of all the markets um, has been the most dynamic for us in the past in the past year um, because we've we've got five sites across Indonesia, um, two in Jakarta, one Sarabaya, one in Bandung, and and one up in Sumatra Island in, in uh, Pakambaru, and so we're pan national, which is which is quite unique from a as a carrier neutral. We're the only carrier neutral data center operator that's actually across the entire country of Indonesia, um, because most of the, most of the, uh, carrier neutral folks or operators are, are based in Jakarta. Their facilities are all in Jakarta or centered there. And so, yeah, what, what you see there in terms of end user and kind of the consumer side driving that, whether it's through e-commerce or media content kind of consumption, um, everything's mobile, right? Everything's on the go. And, and they, they, everything is digital. Right, they they are a cloud first economy. The startup scene in Jakarta is is very dynamic. They are doing everything from payment gateways to e-commerce of every every variety, whether it's like floral delivery to food delivery to to some of the super apps as they call them, right? With Gojek, um, and so and so all these th- this whole this whole ecosystem then is also surrounded by very large industrial companies and a very deep financial services sector, and so so you got a lot of these very dynamic kind of uh, uh, you know data center and compute compute heavy centric kind of companies looking and, and growing out of their kind of enterprise data center space looking for co location. And in Jakarta, you've got an existing, like you know, it's it's the largest market in Indonesia, and currently today, the anal- most most industry analysts put it at seventy to eighty megawatts of total capacity in 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 the in the city or in the metro. And you know, you can in in some in some corners of London, you can find that you know down the down the street, right? So. It, it, it's it's very underserved for for the population and also for the for the nature of the the consumption trends within that population and so within the past year you've seen every one of the global global cloud providers either announce that they're going in or they've they've announced expansions of their existing infrastructure there so the Chinese operators like Alibaba and Tencent have all announced growth from their existing right. Uh, Google has has launched uh, their their GCP right. Amazon Web Services have announced that they're going in. Azure has announced that they're going in. Um, you, you know, you see a lot of these global content uh, providers have announced going in, and and so you, you're starting to see that market really take off. 
Um, but it's a market that most folks don't have any experience with. And, and so, you know, it's, it's very hard. It's, it's, it's different to navigate. It's got its own rules of the road and regulations and, and, uh, and oversight agencies. And so it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting time. And we've been, been very fortunate that we've, you know, we, we entered that market with our partner, XL Axiata. We've got the five sites and operations, two, two greenfield builds um, that we're developing right now, um, large kind of hyperscale facilities. And then we're looking for, for some additional um, uh, greenfield projects to kind of supplement that um, because the growth, the, the upside is, is, uh, is, is quite large. Exactly. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand from the outside is the actual the opportunity in that region. I don't think pe- many people understand Indonesia. And until you read about it and kind of actually or speak to people like yourself about it, you don't really have much of a concept about the how digitized it is and the future opportunity there. Yeah, you know, it's, it's got a it's got a very large population that, that has a very high, high penetration of mobile. Um, and they are they are online and consuming and using their phones for digital commerce and every other aspect, digital entertainment, all along. Um, on the enterprise side of things, right, is you've got a dynamic where where every enterprise there is in either if they're longstanding kind of larger, you know, like the financial services or the insurance or healthcare, they're in the midst of this transformation, right, to kind of a cloud first, cloud centric type of model. To, to kind of take their enterprise into that space. Um, if they're more of a small, small enterprise, right, it's all cloud first, right? And it's, they're, they're kind of leapfrogging that, that whole client server mentality that we had 15 years ago, right? And nobody wants to own, own infrastructure anymore. And so they're, they're just putting everything out in the cloud, which then for us and other data center operators really, you know, helps build that case for, for more infrastructure. Um, you know, and a lot of those analysts are saying that, you know, the, the Jakarta market in and of itself will triple in size in the next two to three years, right? Which is incredible when you think about it, right? That's just, that's quite a large, large growth, um, you know, percentage year over year um, to, to, really, to really address that. And that, that doesn't even count what they don't see yet, right? Because we know, we all know that we're in that phase where there's still plenty of growth that's unforeseen that will come in. And so there's a lot going on. There's projects, you know, not only data center, but you see other infrastructure where there's a lot of, a lot of metro fiber going in. There's a, a lot of subsea uh, 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 cables that are landing there on the, on the energy markets. You're starting to see a lot more renewables activities. You're seeing you know, uh, it, it's it's a it's a very dynamic thing, ecosystem that that's kind of coming into play from an infrastructure perspective, and, and you're seeing all the all the stars line up as to you know really really take off in the next in the next couple of years. Yeah, exactly. And, and what about yourselves for the future? Then are you looking to enter any more markets or any more regions within within APAC, or uh, how does the future look for you as an organization? Yeah, so we we continue to expand. You know, in the past year, we've we've almost tripled our our employee size. So we're going to continue growing from that, and that will include new markets. So, you know, we we are squarely focused on the Asia Pacific region, and so we think that there's there's quite a bit of runway for growth there. And so within within the four markets that we we are existing today, 
we will continue to invest and whether they're new metro markets, like say in India, you know, going to another metro, whether it's Chennai or Delhi, you know, the, the, those are in the cards and, and we've got a roadmap that we're executing on there. Um, like I mentioned, we've got a couple uh, projects in the works in, in, in Indonesia in terms of new greenfield builds and new capacity. Um, other new markets, though, is like Southeast Asia itself, you know, whether it's Philippines, Thailand, Malaysia, Vietnam. These are all all markets that we're actively pursuing, um, you know, either either greenfield builds or acquisitions or carve outs. Um, you know, going back to that three prong strategy where where we think we can execute. Um, and it's it's really trying to line those up because there's if you look at again, going back to our customers, right, where we're always like trying to trying to align where they they are going or, or where they're interested at. Right. Is is you're seeing them kind of go across all of Southeast Asia. Right. And so that that next wave, they'll come in either with the edge applications or kind of the the smaller kind of core and core compute and, and storage nodes um, and, and inner places like Manila or Bangkok or KL. And so those are quite exciting for us. Um, elsewhere in Asia, you know, big big markets like Seoul, um, Tokyo, Hong Kong. I mean, they're they're all the list goes on, doesn't it? When you think all very it. interesting, you know. Taipei is 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 hit the news right with with uh, some recent announcements with Taiwan. Uh, you know, and Google's been there a long time. So so there's there's a lot of lot of potential here. Um, and the reality is that we've got a pipeline of, of projects that that are through all all those markets, right? Everything I've named there, we've we have, we are either actively looking or have looked at projects and opportunities there, um, both with customers and then just more kind of on our own in front of the demand because we feel like like it it the time is now, right? And it uh, it's it's interesting. Interesting times, and uh, and the markets are are very. Um, you're seeing you're seeing them uh, be very dynamic, and and, uh, and you know, and customers are interested. So, yeah, and you touched on something there that I was going to say as well. Like, what a lot of people I speak to, like yourself, it's kind of do you go do you follow the cloud or do you try and get ahead of the cloud? You know, like it's that it's that catch 22 situation isn't it you want to go into these new markets like probably before them but then uh, commercially the opportunity looks better if you're with them or at the same or just slightly behind them yeah i mean yeah there's there's that is always kind of the the uh the magic the magic eight ball right if only we knew the answer exactly <laughs> well to be fair if we did know the answer we wouldn't be saying it right now and releasing this as a podcast <laughs> i may not be able to say it on a podcast but 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 it uh that is that is the the magic of it right is to try to get the timing and and, and the what you are seeing there i mean that that is the right thing is that you are seeing the cloud service providers really really drive the markets, right? And so when they come in, they also change the dynamics quite a bit, right? And you saw that, you know, when when I would go into markets, going back earlier in, in our discussion, right? When I would go in as, as, as somebody on the buy side with Amazon, right? And go into a market where, where none of that infrastructure existed. If I came in and threw my Amazon business card down the table, it changed the dynamics of the situation um, over overnight. Right. And, and, um, 
you know, and, and so, and so that's still, that that's to a lesser extent now because there's a lot more players. There's a, there's a much deeper pool of, of cloud service providers and managed service providers and, and, and the stock of, of technical infrastructure has increased dramatically over the past 10 to 15 years. But, but what you do, like, like what's still dynamic there is, is getting that timing right. And, and we, you know, from Princeton's perspective, right, we will still make the decision because on the merits of the markets themselves. Now, is it nice? But, but that's where it, having a, that three-pronged strategy of either doing a carve-out, doing an acquisition, or doing Greenfield, you know, that gives us the flexibility to go fast or medium or slow or, you know, to kind of change that dynamic. Whereas some, some providers, right, all they do is build from scratch. And, you know, you're not putting up anything in Asia much quicker than two to three years in most of these markets as you get deeper into Asia Pacific. And so, so, you know, that really, that really kind of, you know, puts you out of sync in terms of the decision-making process of day one capacity for some of these cloud service providers. It doesn't mean that you're out of the game, but, but it, you know, you might miss the first wave or two of, of that growth and that's where they plant their flags. And that's, that's where, you know, you kind of become that trusted partner and you can really help them grow and, 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 and kind of help them, which then, you know, kind of helps build the business. Right. So, yeah. And it's definitely, like you said, very exciting times for the region. I think it's exciting times for the industry, but, you know, APAC is definitely, you know, ahead of the game, I guess, at the moment. I've really enjoyed that conversation. I think you've given a great kind of detailed analysis of Princeton, what you guys are up to, what you offer, and also a really good snapshot of, of the APAC market, which I know will be of great interest to the listeners. Before we finish up, there's one question I ask everybody just to get your ideas. Um, but if you could give one piece of advice to anyone looking to work in the data center industry, what would it be? <laughs> yeah, so... I guess you know it, it. It isn't really specific to data centers in and of itself, but but the one thing that's served me well over my career, um, not to sound too much like the fuddy old man here, given wisdom <laughs> from on high, but 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 it's it's just to maintain a, a an open a open mind and curiosity, right? It's served me well, so I've been able to, you know, I've been very fortunate that I've. I've been able to kind of move around the world and, and work in many different cultures and, and being open to new experiences, being curious about people, how they do things, what's what's the, you know, the, the, the reasoning behind it and that keeping an open mind to that is, has led me to many, many different areas that I would have, you know, when I first started out, I never, I never would have imagined that I would have been to or that would have been important. But you find out later that that wow that that is that is of significance, and so keeping that open mind, keeping a curious curiosity to just continue learning because you know you come out of school and you think you know everything and you know nothing, um, and and I know you know I have a teenager so I can say that I say it quite frequently, but but it, uh, it it's one of those things where it does serve you well over over the span of a of, of person's career and and really really gives you the opportunity to to just take on new challenges and, and grow as an individual and as a professional. And so I, I, I always encourage people to kind of keep an open mind and, and stay curious. Great advice. And I always say as well, you know, if you don't know the answer, ask the question, because I think there's a lot of people that are afraid to simply ask a question because they're worried that they'll look like it's a bad question, but it's not a stupid question, is it, if you don't know the answer? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 
Great. Well, thanks for your time today, Chris. Really enjoyed that conversation. Um, hopefully we'll catch up again soon and, and obviously good luck with, with the rapid progress of, of Princeton Group and I wish you all the best. Thanks, Andy.